coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fort Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. Happy Tuesday in the aftermath of a 15-plus hour public comment session at Atlanta City Hall before Atlanta City Council yesterday. There are a lot of sleepy local journalists today. And a lot of folks who are walking around looking like zombies because they too were at City Hall for nearly 24 hours to get their word in about the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility Center. Atlanta City Council voted 11-4 in favor of that funding, despite the overwhelming majority, all but four folks, speaking against Cop City. Joining us to discuss the aftermath of that is Editor-in-Chief at the Atlanta Voice, Donnell Suggs. Donnell, thanks for joining me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. Thanks for having me on again. So talk to me. How did the Atlanta Voice, how, how did you dispatch enough people to cover this from all the angles that needed to be covered? Well, it's funny because I was coming down, just by, just me, hmm. at, 11, at 11 o'clock, 11.15 to kind of hang around outside. I knew there'd be a long line. I knew there'd be a, pe- a lot of people around. Right. Our staff photographer and um, online editor, Ataro Montuin, said, you know what? I'll come down with you. He always, he and I always team up. He takes the photos. I like the story. Okay. So it's the two of us just hanging around. We figured whatever. We'll stay around to one. Go into the meeting. How dramatic can it be? But you can tell as soon as I mean I could tell. Can't speak for him, but I'm sure he would agree. As soon as we walked up on City Hall, parked our respective cars, and walked around to the front, you can tell the energy wasn't going to be just another meeting with a couple of speakers here or there. Mm-hmm. Like once you make your way into City Hall, go through the metal detector, what have you. The atrium, which is massive, yep. was packed, packed, packed. I, it's fair to say hundreds, not a hundred, mm-hmm. hundreds. And it was just like you knew this wasn't going to end anytime soon. Right. This is one. There's way too many people invested in this moment to say they're all going to leave about one forty-five, two o'clock. No way. Mm-hmm. And it ended up being not even barely two o'clock the next day. Right. Which is unheard of. Yeah, I saw where uh, folks were having pizzas delivered, and uh, the pizzas had to go through the metal detectors, too. Uh, and the pizzas. <laughs> what, what did you guys do about food? I mean, did they give you guys enough of a break between? Uh, how, how did that work? Well, it really wasn't a break. And again, I have to admit, I did not stay until the next morning. Uh-huh. Um, my photographer stayed super late. And then we had uh, a freelancer that works with us a lot, who's a great local journalist, King, K-I-N-G, William. Oh, yeah, I know King. Yeah, King's awesome, and he's worked with me a bunch of times on stuff. So King ended up being the one to stay the late test. So mm. we did try to cover it as best we can, but I know some reporters that I bumped into at 11.30 outside and then saw online at like 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm just like, that's nuts. So I don't know how they got breaks, but I know I did not stay until the next day. Because, and, um, and, and you know, like you, you weren't you weren't supposed to bring liquids or anything in the building? I mean, this was almost no. like showing up to vote, and you can't have a bottle of water handed out to you. But then again, they don't, because they don't know what's in the liquid. You know what I mean? So yeah, I no, kind of understand I get, I get that. It. Yeah. And normally you come to City Hall, you pay a couple of bills here or something, or you talk to your local uh, council member maybe. Mm-hmm. You might be there for 45 minutes total at the most. There's almost no wait. Any other time I go in there and I cover a city council meeting, very rarely, Cap City is not the topic, obviously. Sure. And it really isn't very long. You're kind of in and out. So I get it. And this is just, there's nothing like this. Yeah. There's nothing like this. I, for me, for me, someone that's been reporting on news in this city since 2006, I have not been a part of anything like that. 
So with and that with that expansive coverage that you have uh, under your belt for the last 17 years, do you have any sense whatsoever what sort of repercussion will come from this from the 11 that voted for the public safety uh, spending? Here's the good and the bad news about the city council. People vote them in. Respect the people who live in their districts vote them in. We have such short memories now because of social media and everything. Even with this being as dramatic as it was mm -hmm. and the video that's out, the pictures, the photos, the, all that stuff, it's up to people in respective districts to know when their um, council members see this coming up. Mm -hmm. And I just don't, I just don't see this. I don't see backlash like that. Maybe Michael Bond, because he's, he's out there. He talks a lot. Mm -hmm. So he's, he's someone that you might remember. Uh, for me, Keisha Waits, um, I see her more often than most. And I can see and she she voted no, but she's somebody that I can see people saying, hey, you know what? She voted no. We remember that. But for the most part, there's a couple other members that are pretty popular. But for the most part, I just don't see people carrying this over until two years from now or three years from now, in some cases, and saying, hey, I remember what you did on that. So now I'm going to take it back out or campaigning against someone. I just I don't know. I, I can see it being brought up by a politician. I just don't see the. Atlanta's got so many things going on, as you well know. Mm. So many things going on, there'll always be another thing. We just had a, don't forget that, we just had a mass shooting. What, has it been a month? Yep. There's always a thing here. Well, but you know, even even that got brought into the discussion by uh, Mayor Andre Dickens in an op-ed at the AJC, and he didn't name her, but he cited a victim and, you know, her, her friend, uh, Sharon Coffrin- Gajano, oh gosh, I'm gonna get her name wrong. Uh, brought that up yesterday at the uh, at the hearing, and so I mean there, there are ties to that. So you don't think? By the way, we're on with Donnell Suggs, editor in chief at the Atlanta Voice. You don't think that any city council person will face a challenge or lose a seat because of their vote? Unfortunately, I I just I I know this is I'm probably going to be the only person saying this mm -hmm. the day after, mm -hmm. but I really don't think so. I just think we have short memories and there's so much going. This isn't a small town, you know. It kind of behaves that way. Right. It's not, and we have so many things going on. I can see that, again. I was I agree with you. People brought up a number of different topics that had nothing to do with with um the training facility slash cop city. People are talking about all kinds of things: education spending, <laughs> well, um, violence in their neighborhoods, yeah. quality of water. There's all kinds of stuff came up yesterday. Well, when there's sixty-seven million dollars going out to pay for something, they're looking for that money to be used somewhere else. I would right. assume so. Maybe that's why a lot of that came up. And that is totally fair. People are saying, "Hey, my neighborhood looks like this," or "Kids in my neighborhood don't have that," or "Schools look like this." Why do I? Why should I care about? The millions that are going towards that, mm -hmm. and I get it. You can play that, but you can play that card every single time the city spends money on anything. Then, now that the funding has been put pen to paper, what are the next steps? Are, are there any? Right. Is there any hope that they can still try and stop this? No, um, they didn't. They did. They barely had hope to begin with, and then here's the vote, and now you have the vote. So, in other words, the city's saying, "Hey, listen, we have a council that was voted in by the people. Mm -hmm. Said council voted." 11 to 4. That's it. It's an overwhelming majority for giving the 31, and really, this is really about the $31 million that's going towards the facility, not the entire 67, but you know how that goes. Semantics, when you're upset, it's, it's 67 million. I overheard someone tell me uh, 70 million. So people are just upset because they don't think we need it. And there are some people who really know that you need to train law enforcement officers in order for them to go out in the street and help. And some people don't think they help. So 
the next move of protesters is to continue protesting just to voice the people's opinion. That's never a bad idea. This country was built on that. Keep doing it. Just understand that doesn't move the needle any longer. It's over with. There was a vote and it was cast and you lost. Now, please continue to protest because we wouldn't have had civil rights if we decided the first time it didn't work to say, oh, well, guess we'll just, we'll just leave it like it is. So please keep on protesting. But they th th really have to understand that that's, that's business. It's not you're not going to stop this. Please don't go out there and change yourself to machines and do all the stuff that was going on before because right. that didn't help. And someone lost their life. That isn't going to help. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, other than protesting some more, and there will be additional ones. Sure. There always are. There will be. And we'll be there to cover it Atlanta Voice, via .com. But um, otherwise, there's nothing else they can do. Yeah, and I, I understand that the frustration from, from that camp is along the lines of, we were told to go about this in a peaceful manner, to use the process. The process ignored the overwhelming majority of those who came to speak about this training facility on several different occasions. The overwhelming majority, I think, I think four people spoke yesterday in favor, four out of 300 plus. So I understand the frustration from the folks who are against the public safety training facility being built where it is, being frustrated by the process not playing out in their favor, despite the numbers being such overwhelming, uh, in such an overwhelming manner. It's a, it, you feel let down sure. in some cases. I talked to some folks, obviously, long before the vote was cast, and they're, and they're just like, no one wants this. Look at the people. No one's out here campaigning on the other side of the street saying we do want it. They feel like everyone is against it, which is not true because 11 people who get paid to make those decisions do. So it's not really overwhelming. I just think the people who do want the police officers and, and don't forget and fire and EMS to be trained mm -hmm. don't come outside City Hall and stand up and, and literally spend damn near 15 hours there. They go about their business where the ones who don't feel the need to want to have to protest. So literally protest that you, you guys, uh, you know, local media, local journalists, you guys probably interact more with folks who don't have the time, have jobs, can't attend these meetings. I, mm -hmm. Do you do you get a sense that what we see turning out isn't a fair representation of the litmus of the actual opinion of the city of Atlanta's residents? I love coming on your show. You know, I always keep it real with you. I'm speaking for me as a journalist who has spoken to people on the street uh -huh. and make, and sometimes quoted them and sometimes not have, but right. not spoken to people. The nine to five working mom, working dad, working grandma, working grandpa, a uh, 21 year old person just starting their life. To be honest with you, the ones that I've spoken to are majority black. I, I write, I'm the editor in chief of the only black newspaper in Atlanta. Sure. So you have to excuse me sure. if a large majority of the people I talk to are black. They don't care. Mm -hmm. Policing matters to them. Right. They want policing to be better, mm -hmm. not necessarily have the officer be trained to arrest them faster or more efficiently. They want policing to be better. They want to be able to drive around Atlanta at night, um, whatever, licensed, seatbelt, et cetera, and still not get pulled over because it's like, hey, what are you doing over here? Mm -hmm. That's what they want. They don't care about the trees, unfortunately. I like trees. I have trees in my backyard <laughs> that we planted, me and my son. Right. No, we're legit, like little trees. I love all that stuff. Some of the things I heard about don't affect the nine to fiver. That's who I write for, the nine to five Atlantan, black Atlantan that lives on the west side that's changing every day and, and, and pricing them out or lives on, lives used to live in Midtown, could afford it, now they can't, or used to live downtown and, they, and they're getting pushed out. That person 
doesn't care about this facility being built with money that they're contributing to as a taxpayer. But mm-hmm. other than that, I'm trying to get they're trying to get this week done to get next week done to get ready to send their kids to camp and find something to do before school starts. That is the majority of people I spoke to. So when you hear someone say, when they get on the microphone, I'm, I live in Reynolds Town. I've been in Atlanta for four years. Mm-hmm. I think this is wrong. That's sometimes a slap in the face to the lady who's been in Atlanta her whole life. Mm-hmm. Really just wants you to fix the potholes on the street and get the guys off the corner and selling drugs. That's a concern. Okay. That's it. Okay. But I mean, $67 million for a public safety training facility doesn't fill potholes either. Uh, so agreed, you know, agreed. Uh, anyway, agreed. we're on with Donnell Suggs, uh, editor in chief at, at the Atlanta voice, uh, stand by. We're going to come back and talk with you a few more minutes and, and wrap this conversation up. We're talking in the Absolutely. aftermath of the Atlanta city council's vote 11 to four to fund the Atlanta public safety training facility. We'll get more with Donnell from the Atlanta voice after the break here on the Ron show, the America one radio app, America one radio.com or wherever you podcast. We're back with Donnell Suggs on The Ron Show. In the aftermath of the Atlanta City Council voting by an overwhelming majority, 11 to 4, for funding, $30-plus million going to the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility Center to be built in Southwest DeKalb. Uh, Donnell, uh, your readership isn't just inside city limits of Atlanta. What about the residents of Southwest DeKalb who now see this coming to their neighborhood? Do you Do you get a sense... What 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 the feelings are there? Do these folks feel represented in any way, shape, form, or fashion? In that particular, when you when you when we narrow it down like that, I I did get a very passionate sense from those people that they just don't want that in their neighborhood. A, la- a lady told me, uh, "Don't they fire rounds like practice rounds or whatever? Don't they light that? Aren't they going to light that fake building on fire and it had it like smoke?" And she said, "Why why would anyone want that in their neighborhood?" And I was like, "You know what? You make a good point." She said, I'm just telling you, why, why, we don't want it. We don't want it. She said, I'm not even a tree hugger. I just don't want it in my neighborhood. It mm-hmm. wasn't there before, and now it's going to come there. Don't forget now, the whole construction process has to take place. Yeah. So that's a whole other thing you're going to be hearing. You, you can't quietly make this. It's going to be made loud. It's going to be made large. So, that, so she's like, these are things that aren't coming to my neighborhood to make my neighborhood better. They're just coming, and we can't do anything about it. Now she was she had a sign in her hand. She wasn't as boisterous and loud, but she was passionate. Like I just don't want it in my neighborhood, and I have. She's never been arrested. This particular lady, I've never been arrested. I have no problem with police. Train mm-hmm. them, train them all day long. Mm-hmm. I just didn't. She just doesn't want it in her neighborhood. So people like that totally are against it, but from a different a different angle. Like I'm not even mad about policing. I just don't want it here. Can we do it somewhere else? I'm like. No, <laughs> no, we just don't have, well, to have you, a lot of vacant land. You no, know, you say that though, but I mean, there is an article in the supporter report that talks about all of the vacant land that actually does surround mm-hmm. uh, city-owned already as well. Uh, the uh, former right. former training facilities uh, that they very well could have used. There's land around the airport that the airport's trying to give to somebody to use for something useful and. So I, 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 I would I would counter that no, I, I think there are alternatives. There were alternatives. I don't really understand. This is the sort of thing that kind of makes me wonder who's on the take here, because there were right. other more viable or as viable and even cheaper options, and yet nobody blinked when it came to nope, this piece of property at that price tag right here, this is what we want. Right. Whether it be the Atlanta Police Foundation, uh, whether it be Mayor Andre Dickens. Uh, you know, nearly a dozen city council uh, members, they did not waver. This was where they wanted it for some reason. 
And you and I both know we're smart enough, and a lot of your listeners, uh, probably all of your listeners are smart enough to know that there's got to be something else. Because you're right. There are places. You really don't have to do it here. You really don't have to spend as much money either. So what's going on? And you know what, guys? When we find out, we'll report that. But as of right now, we did elect these officials. They sat there and they voted. They heard 320-plus people. Yeah, they did. And they and they still voted eleven to four. <laughs> they and sure the four did. people that voted against it were clear they were against it. These are not four hidden votes. Those are four people that were like, "No, nah, I wasn't against. I'm not for it anyway." And have been public. So it isn't a surprise. Eleven to four. That was that, is, that shouldn't have shocked anyone that was following this. Were there any of those eleven in your mind? By the way, we're on with Donnell Suggs, uh, editor in chief of the Atlanta Voice. Were there any of those eleven in your mind that were maybes? for flipping to know you felt you felt throughout and again i'm like you by the time i got home i still still had plenty of hours to watch yeah. on the live feed everyone everyone could have woke up got up in the morning and still watched something and you know what it felt like michael bond was turning the way people were talking to him it was personal mm. like some of the attacks were just rude but you get it it's a passionate yeah. moment yeah i almost felt it was turning for him like he was saying I, I'm not someone that doesn't, you know, listen to the people, and I've been protesting my whole career, and he, yeah. and he almost felt like I, I, you know, I thought that they weren't going to win, they were not going to get the majority vote and say uh, no, but I almost thought that he was going to be one of the no's because it felt like the people were talking directly to him more than anyone else. Do you and know? It, it, it felt that way a little bit. So, do you know if anyone? I would love to get this breakdown. Like, I, I, there has to be someone who took note of this. Please, if you're if you're listening and you're one of those statistical wonks and you kept track of this, I want to know the demographic breakout of those who came to speak. Not just at, at yesterday's, tonight's, or last night's and this morning's hearing. Uh, I want like the the one before we had three hundred plus folks. We've had uh, seventeen hours before that. I would love to know the demographic breakdown of the individuals that spoke in favor and against uh, the Atlanta. Public safety training facility. Do you, I mean, do you have a? Do you have any sort of like, you know, just uh, an amateur guesstimation on 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 the demographic breakdown here of, of those who are opposed? Ha- having walked into the building right around the time they started letting people in, and and seeing the lines and talking to people while they were going upstairs to get ready to line up, mm-hmm. I can only use my opinion. I would. I would. I don't have any data. Right. So I don't want to lie. You don't say data. But sure. what I saw with my own eyes in city hall. And what I saw in my own eyes while looking at the feed when I finally got home that night, mm-hmm. I got to be honest with a lot of people. Someone made a great point and said, this isn't a black and white issue. It's an Atlanta issue. And I was like, you're right. But <laughs> the people in the building that were lining up to speak and the people I saw on the computer were overwhelmingly not black. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's, that doesn't mean it's not important. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying that's what it was. And a man made a great point to me. And again, I'm, these names are random because people just, we were all there talking. So I apologize for not knowing his particular name. But what he told me was, in a lot of cases, people have, don't have the time to come down here at sure. 11 o'clock yep. and give up 12 hours of their life. Oh, yeah. They got kids in school. They mm-hmm. got work. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it. So we're speaking for them. And that was a really cool thing he said. And I should have quoted him and wrote it down, but he was really casually speaking. Mm-hmm. But that's why the demographic is what it is. Maybe some people who aren't. Black Atlantans have the time to say, you know what? I'm off work today. I'm going to spend my whole day. Down. This young lady had a, a baby with her, mm. her daughter. Her daughter might have been two or three. Mm. Very small child. So, you know, you have the time. Most people I know that grew up in Atlanta don't have the time. Sure they, that. they didn't have 12 hours to give up. They just right. didn't. 
Oh yeah, I mean, if I mean, well, you yourself, you weren't you weren't sure it was going to go fifteen hours into five o'clock in the morning votes, you know? Oh, sir, and I and it's literally my job, and I still didn't have that much time to do it. <laughs> so imagine yeah. someone that won't get paid a dime. Yeah, yeah, I feel you on that. All right, well, listen, Donnell Suggs from the Atlanta Voice. Uh, editor in chief, man. Hopefully, we'll be able to get on the uh, on a call and, and 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 talk about something that we're all in full agreement on and just celebrating and and all happy and united as Atlantans. And I, uh, I think that's Christmas, Christmas and Mother's Day. <laughs> well, come on, man. We got <laughs> Father's Day. Father's Day is just around the corner. Can we not get some love for the daddies? They, my eight year old son is doing some schoolwork right now. That'd be great. But I don't I don't know if that's universal. <laughs> mom. All right, Donnell Suggs from the Atlanta Voice. Thanks for the time. I appreciate you. Thank you, brother. Thanks, man. So could a referendum actually decide the fate of the Atlanta Public Safety Training Center? Well, the Stop Cop City movement believes that that's their next opportunity. We'll discuss that in minutes here on The Ron Show on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Also available at RonShowATL.com. Broadcasting five days a week to make common sense common again. This is The Ron Show on America One Radio. So if you're tired of hearing me talk about Cop City, trust me, (laughs) I'm tired of talking about it too. But it is a boiling point here in the city of Atlanta with repercussions that could be felt statewide. Uh, The governor was invoked. Chris Carr, the lieutenant governor, was invoked. The state's insurance commissioner, a former APD officer himself, chimed in in support of the Atlanta Public Safety Training Facility. And the movement to stop what we call loosely Cop City has a worldwide network watching the city of Atlanta. To that end, the Stop Cop City movement, according to the Atlanta City Press Collective, will announce plans for a referendum on the Public Safety Training Center. They're going to announce those plans on Wednesday. In their media advisory, the time has come to settle the debate once and for all. The people of Atlanta will and must decide the future of Atlanta. The ACPC is tweeting that activists will hold a press conference outside City Hall tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. The coalition between the press conference includes some some heavyweights here. Working Families Party, Fair Fight Action, the uh, NAACP's Legal Defense Fund, and uh, other movement mainstays like the Community Movement Builders. So those are not just campers who've been hanging out in the woods from other parts of the country or other parts of the world. Be interesting to see if they're able to get a referendum and what that referendum would say. I mean, at that point, if the voters of Atlanta say, no, we want this, and how does that work? Do you include the folks in DeKalb County or in Southwest DeKalb where outside the city limits, residents will be impacted? I mean, obviously you can't do that. I, you can't go interjurisdictional. but should they? I, I would say they should. Clearly it's, kind of impossible to have one referendum that answers to both of those needs because the citizens of Atlanta are the ones footing the bill. It's the residents of Southwest DeKalb who will deal with the facility's construction and implementation in their realm. Two different referendums would be necessary, but I digress. Also thought I'd pass this along, just shared this at Ron Show ATL on Twitter. The King Center today, 6 p.m. 
will be featuring a conversation, Global Perspectives on Environmental Racism. Dr. Bernice King, the CEO at the King Center, tweets, I'll share my thoughts on the soul of Atlanta and our nation in light of the Atlanta City Council vote to fund the Public Safety Training Center. That will take place. This is part two tonight, 6 p.m. You can follow at the King Center on Twitter. Uh, They'll have a YouTube link for you if you'd like to watch that uh, versus be there in person. Actually, no, it's virtual. So at the King Center on Twitter to get all the information about that. You heard me in my prior segment speaking with Donnell Suggs from the Atlanta Voice about unused land elsewhere that the city of Atlanta actually already has in possession that could have been an alternate site for this public safety training center. And uh, John Rooch at, I hope I'm saying that right, R-U-C-H, John Rooch at Supporter Report, that would be supporterreport.com, shared an article, he actually wrote it, in a tweet that says the future of 76-plus acres of public land around the former APD Academy is unclear while the airport will issue uh, an RFP request for proposals for at least some of 149.5 acres around the Fire Academy. Neither got deep vetting for the new 87-acre training center. And in that piece, there's a graphic and everything that shows you just a, a big swath of land in an industrial area, easy to turn into a fake city environment for whatever sort of inner city police training is necessary. John Roots writes in this story, and we've shared that at Ron Show ATL on Twitter, by the way, the former police academy on Southside Industrial Parkway is in a shuttered Atlanta public schools building still owned by that agency. But various city of Atlanta agencies own a huge assemblage of adjacent, largely undeveloped property. More than 76 acres are already publicly owned there, or more than 90 counting a city park. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Fire Rescue Department Academy is in rented space in a college park building. The city owns that building and a huge amount of largely undeveloped property around it, totaling more than 149.5 acres. Most or all of it controlled by Hartsfield-Jackson Atlanta International Airport, which will soon seek redevelopment proposals for at least part of the area. As John continues in this uh, supporterreport.com article, That's at least 225 acres of land already publicly owned and already used as public safety training academies. The footprint of the new training center on a forested site in unincorporated DeKalb County, which I would mention is outside city limits, also long used for some Atlanta Police Department training, is just under 87 acres. That raises the question of why neither ex-training property was considered for the new training center in a secretive site selection process that apparently looked only at individual large properties owned by the city, not assemblages, for reasons that have never been explained. He goes on to write, Don Rivera, a former president of the East Atlanta Community Association, recently pointed out to me the publicly owned land near the former police academy and suggested the increasingly industrial area would have been a better site for the new training center rather than a location in what is supposed to be part of the South River Forest green space vision. The $30 million city council may authorize, did authorize last night, I'm sorry, this morning, for new training center funding, Rivera suggested, could have gone to buying out the handful of private property owners remaining in that area. I'm telling y'all, it's it's stuff like that that just makes you wonder who's making all the money off this approved site in Southwest of Cab. Who's going to benefit from the construction proceeds? I mean, there's got to be a reason that the police foundation 
Mayor Dickens, the 11 city councilmen were just steely-eyed and focused on this piece of property for that facility in Southwest DeKalb. Because when the alternatives present themselves and make so much more sense and pretty much please everybody, you just have to wonder, why are you so stuck on that spot instead? Finally, before I move on to other topics on the show today and in coming days and weeks, I, I got to give some credit to some of the unheralded local journalists that have been covering this stuff. Um, got a lot of respect for these folks, the folks who embedded at City Hall for more than 15 hours to cover the Cop City saga yesterday and last night and into this morning. And I, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that the salaried folks that work uh, at the local TV stations and I mean, who was covering this on radio? Public radio, maybe? GPB? WABE? You know, I mean, let's give them credit, too. I mean, that, and the uh, the public radio folks are always, you know, in the crosshairs when it comes to funding. Anyway, the folks who get the checks on the 1st and 15th, regardless, uh, you know, kudos to any journalist for doing their job. But, I mean, it's the folks, uh, like uh, Donnell mentioned, King Williams, who worked, uh, Hannah Riley, um, uh, our friend Micah Herskin. Um, they all come to mind. Uh, let's see who else. Um, Madeline Thigpen from uh, Capital B Atlanta. And, and of course, uh, Donnell and the staff from the Atlanta Voice. I mean, these are folks who are, are doing yeoman's work. And, and, and again, these aren't hefty paychecks. I Listen, I was a journalism major and phew, did I dodge that bullet or what? I mean, I got into radio instead for 28 years. It was like, you know, getting off the Lusitanian onto the Titanic with a slower sink. But uh, <laughs> anyway, journalists, uh, uh, you know, work what is a pretty much thankless job uh, with a lot of derision from the general public about bias uh, for not great pay. And the, the, the folks who, are, again, are doing this, not exactly making the big money on the 1st and the 15th, are, are to be commended for the work that they've done to cover the... Uh, saga that unfolded uh, late last night and into the morning, and of course, have been covering this for weeks and months. All right, I'm going to transition here just a little bit, just because <laughs> I, I don't watch a whole lot of Fox News as it is. I do watch Fox News Sunday, which not doesn't air on Fox News, but I do watch Fox News Sunday because I like to watch the Georgia Gang on uh, Fox 5, which leads into Fox News Sunday, which I then can transition and head over to... Meet the Press, Chuck Todd, by the way, leaving Meet the Press. Hmm, interesting. And then I go over to uh, this week with whomever is filling in for George Stephanopoulos because he never seems to be there. Um, but I, but this Sunday clip from Fox News, I guess this was Fox and Friends Sunday, uh, where Pete Hegseth was making the argument that religion is liberating because people could realize that they aren't perfect. And then... <laughs> and then... Hostess Rachel Campos Duffy chimed in with this gem. It's so easy to characterize faith as constraining and limiting to you. But when you actually, it is entirely liberating mm. and it creates a sense of freedom that it's not all on you. I can't, right. I'm not perfect. I can't, I don't act perfectly and I can't perfect other people. Uh, it's an amazing. It um, changes the way you look even at politics. So sure. uh, yes. it, it truly does. And sometimes, you know, we look at how hard 
on the left they play. They really play for keeps. They play in a way that's very, uh, you know, a lot of times conservatives look at it and go, well, why don't we play as hard as them? Well, for them, what? where we live right now, this place, Earth, is it. So everything's on the, on, on the, on the line here for them. Um, they think, as you said, they can perfect this mm-hmm. Earth. Those of us who have faith don't believe that, and we believe how we act here determines where we go after. And so we had to behave. And so even in politics, we don't, you know, we, we, we act within those moral limits. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the, the ends justify the means is sort of the, the yeah. rules for radicals, right? Uh, That's not believe, how Christians act. If you believe your personal political opinions are um, on par with the highest of the hierarchies yeah. and, you know, uh, equal to faith and religion, then you will you will go to some of the links that we have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're sure. made for religion. So if you don't have, if you don't have a faith, whether it's Hindu, Islam, Christianity, you're going to create one, and it could yes. be climate or it could be yourself, as you mentioned. And our system, as our founders repeatedly said, was made for a religious people, More and people. entirely incapable for another. <laughs> so much to unwrap here. First of all, Pete, um, religion isn't exactly liberating when it insists you behave a certain way. Would you ever think that Puritanism was liberating? Do you think that the strict Catholic adherence to guidelines was or is liberating? Have the LGBTQI plus felt liberated by religion? How about women with the wish to have autonomy over their body? Have they felt liberated? What an Asinine argument, Pete. Rachel bebops in with this, well, you know, liberals only care about the earth because they don't believe in heaven. Okay, first of all, ma'am, not all liberals are atheists. I mean, I am, but not all. In fact, there are many, most American Jews are liberal. They certainly believe in a heaven and hell. A lot of Christians are, in fact, hold the phone, Rachel, liberal. But I do happen to like the undertone of what she had to say in some respects, because it plays out here in American development, where conservatives start in one place, flight to another, and then flight to another again leaving behind messes that they made and want to take no blame for, let alone participate in chipping in to address. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm saying that. Conservatives left the city when African Americans began moving in during the industrialization of the country. Schools got integrated and folks freaked out even more. The white flight era took off from the mid-20th century through the 80s and 90s and disavowed any complicity to the rot and decay that they left behind as a result. I mean, that is the, the premise of the conservative American movement in the last 100 years right there. Leave the city. We didn't do it. That's not our problem. Don't look in the rear view. Let's move to the suburbs and keep all the money out here and hell with the folks that we left behind in quite the predicament with that huge footprint that they need to take care of on their tax dole because we still got to go back there to get 
to and from work. I mean, this is the, the locust mentality. Don't worry about Earth because we're heading to a better place. What? First of all, that's not a guarantee. Second of all, why are we spending, I've said this a million times, why are we spending $800 billion plus dollars a year in defense of a country that we don't care to take care of ourselves? What was it I heard Eric Erickson opining about a day or two ago? Oh, how the communists, Chinese, <laughs> are bankrolling green energy movements to sink the capitalist car and fossil fuel industries. I mean, just asinine stuff. But so what if they are? Oh my gosh, the communists are trying to make the earth better for future generations. How dare they? Much like the Soviet Union, by the way, was well ahead of the rest of the first world when it came to ending apartheid. Nikita Khrushchev, 1950s. By the way, you don't learn that in any world or U.S. history book. You know where I learned that? Watching a TV show called The Americans on FX a few years back. That's where I learned that. Ugh. Anyway, this atheist, by the way, would suggest that Rachel Campos Duffy check out Genesis 2.15, Jeremiah 2.7, and Deuteronomy 11.12. Last segment of The Ron Show after this. Final segment for the Tuesday Ron Show. It is uh, June the 6th, and I'm just going to be mad at myself. I'm going to finger wag myself here a little bit. I was supposed to give you guys a little daily pride nugget. It is Pride Month throughout the United States. But yesterday was kind of a unique situation because we had wall-to-wall coverage, essentially, of the Atlanta Police, I'm sorry, Public Safety Training Center open comment session at City Hall yesterday. But I was supposed to give you a nugget every day, and I didn't do it yesterday, so let's just pick back up on that today. Here's another little nugget for you. And this is something that I think resonates with what is appearing in headlines right now. You can, I, I, I talk about conservatives all the time when they pivot to some wedge issue that has nothing to do with what really matters. There's nothing uh, about uh, gay rights issues, trans rights issues that have anything to do with war, the cost of gas, the economy. Those are key issues that Americans really care about when it comes time to vote except when the Republicans need them to care about something else to go vote another way. 2004, how many state ballots had gay marriage referendums on them? And George W. Bush languishing in the polls after launching two unpopular wars after 9-11, he got reelected. Whammo blammo. So the economy is in good shape. We averted another debt ceiling crisis. Uh, the price of gas is going down. Inflation is shrinking. So naturally, the right's looking for a wedge issue. Ah, children and the LGBTQIA+. And that's the issue that they're harping on right now. Folks, there are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, QIA+, teachers, and they have been under intense attack and scrutiny lately. After decades of just fighting to exist, as an LGBTQIA plus person without fear of losing their job, now because there's a fear that they're being who they are with perhaps their students even being aware is an injection of conversion. That those teachers, along with all teachers who are compassionate and respectful to the plight of an LGBTQIA plus child, are somehow indoctrinating not only those kids, but the kids that aren't. What's really the concern of the anti-LGBTQIA+, in my opinion, 
is the growing societal acceptance, coupled with a personal fear of their own, that their own child might actually be gay, bi, or trans as well. Understand that there's no movement at all to meet a quota. It's not our goal to turn kids at all. I know a lot of lesbian, gay, and bisexual people who don't have kids and don't like kids, so they don't care one way or the other. We just remember what it was like to be that closeted child, you see, how oppressive it felt not to be our true selves ever for fear of peer scorn and the white-hot ire that we see right now from the radicalized anti-gay movement making all the headlines right now. It's in our interest to do a better job protecting some of their kids from self-harm and or suicide than the parents who spew such awful anti-gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender rhetoric. You got to understand, man, kids hear you. I mean, we as kids, we heard things that our parents would say, right? Thoughts that meant we dare not say what we believed or know to the contrary. Gay, bi, and trans kids hear it too. Some of them believe there's no future for them that comes with the continued existence of a loving family. At that age, when family's all you know that can provide shelter, food, clothing, love, respect, many of those kids give up on having a future. We prefer they didn't. We prefer they live to see that who they are is absolutely okay with us. Legislation to ban teachers, counselors, faculty members from doing just that proliferates the landscape. Further actions to shield youth from innocuous crap like drag shows are so popular with radical conservatives right now, too. It's awful, it's wrong, and it's only going to get more kids killed. Pro-life you are? Show it. Meanwhile, we celebrate pride because we survived going through that ourselves as kids. Folks grouse about kids seeing us in parades or festivals, drag shows, etc. and so on, as if that's going to harm their kids' mental wellness. (laughs) It's just the opposite. Not seeing that there's a bright and happy future for some kids is harmful to their own mental wellness. Understand that pride isn't about turning straight kids into queer kids. Pride is about not turning queer kids into dead kids. I married into a religious evangelical family in rural Northwest Georgia. A mother of a child, well, he wasn't a child when I married him, obviously. (laughs) A mother of a child who didn't understand what being gay was about, that there was nothing she could have done about it. She worried that anybody in the community even knowing that her son was gay, let alone married to another man, somehow reflected on her as a poor parent. By the way, she and I are thick as thieves now, even after the divorce. Love her to death. She says the same to me. Like, we, we hang out on occasion. I mean, we've made so much headway in the past, you know, 10, 12 years or so. But there was a time when she really worried about how society in her midst finding out that she had a gay son made her look as a parent. I happen to think and did all along that you're only doing a really good job as a parent when you don't care that your child is gay. But in fact, accept accept them for who they are no matter. It's okay to internalize some disappointment that your child isn't going to 
be what you expected them to be from the moment you conceived them. But that's part of parenting on many levels, professional, personal, etc. A good parent accepts their kid for who they are no matter. That's it for The Ron Show. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com.